Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Genesis chapter number 5, from verse 21 to 24. Genesis chapter 5 from verse 21 to verse 24. I'm going to read just four verses to your hearing here. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Can I just pause and say that 300 years is a long time to do anything? All right. So he said, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So his walking with God did not stop him from having sons and daughters. But the emphasis is that he walked with God 300 years. He had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. In other words, he did not experience death because God took him. This morning, I want to speak to you about a message that I've titled, Walk Before You Work. Walk, W-A-L-K, before you work, W-O-R-K. Holy Spirit, think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords. All of you and none of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that may not know me very well, um, my name is Sean Salami. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I have this uh, beautiful wife here called Dorcas, a.k.a. P.D., the most beautiful woman on the planet. <laughs> and I have three boys. Uh, Femidara is seven, I believe. If I get it wrong, I won't eat tonight. Uh, Diomola <laughs> is five, <laughs> and Demilade is two years old. Demilade is my little one. Demilade is, um, you know, they say you're not supposed to have favorite children, but um, I love him. Demilade, since he was a baby, has been obsessed with my iPad. Obsessed. Now, he, he knows more about my iPad and the functions than I do. I'm not even joking. Like, he will go into places, and even if you lock the iPad, he can play a video while the iPad is locked. Yeah. So, because he will find his way around all the, the, the widgets and everything, and he will come up with all sorts of things. And he does all those things with, with you know, my iPad, with my laptop, with his mother's laptop. Uh, but you know, the thing that's very interesting about Demilade is that since he was a baby, he has been trying to carry things. He has been trying to, to work. He has been trying to carry the iPad, carry the laptop, even when he could not walk by himself. So he would, he would try, he would fall. But now that he can actually walk, he has taken it to another level. Now he is preaching the gospel. No, and I'm not even joking. I have video evidence, multiple videos. But it's just that I can't play the video because I don't know if he will forgive me when he grows up and sees that I used him as video, as an example. But he does this thing that he will bring a table, he will put his Bible, he will take a, a pen or whatever he can find and use it as a microphone and he will be preaching. And you can ask my wife, she will show you videos of it. In fact, there was one where he, he was complete with my glasses. Okay, let me blow your mind. The other day we were here and behind our back, he had gone and picked up the microphone. Joseph, you remember this? He had picked up the microphone and he came to the altar here with my water bottle, put it down, with the microphone, and he was preaching. And my wife called me and said, look at your son. <laughs> you know, that's very cute. But how many people know that no matter how badly he wants it, he still has some growing up to do before he can do that work. 
Because sometimes, you, you know, it's okay to look on the stage and see somebody, you know, like a handsome man of God like this, fresh prince of the Most High, look at him and say, ah, I can't do that. That's not a big deal. What is he doing? But there is actually a, a growing up, a walking process that, that you need to go through before you can do the work. The work. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So a child learns to walk before they try to do any work. Uh, and so if we go back to our text, our text here, we find that in the midst of a seemingly meaningless genealogy, if you read this, it's all about the genealogy. Put that back up, the, the same scripture. It's a, it's a list of, you know, this begat this, this begat that, this begat that. In the midst of that, we find one of the most meaningful passages of scripture. So as they said, this did this and died, this did this and died, suddenly we see a passage that says, Enoch walked with God. I love the fact that it didn't, it didn't exempt saying that he had sons and daughters. Because what people think is that when you walk with God, you are, you are supposed to be this weird fellow that has no family, that has no life. No. Walking with God doesn't mean you will not have sons and daughters. It doesn't mean you will not have a life. It never said, seek only the kingdom. It said, seek. You are awake. Yeah, it didn't say seek only. So when we read that, what we hear is seek only. But you, if you cannot walk with God, it says, seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added, will be an addition. So the priority is on walking with God, is on seeking God, but it would also add those things to you. So walking with God, therefore, while others are living and dying, this begat this, this died, this begat this, this died. Walking with God is what gives your life significance. Walking with God while others are living and dying is what sets your life apart. However, if you try to walk for God without first walking with him, you will end up in frustration. And this is the struggle. This is the attempt that many people are making is that because they grew up in church or their parents were Christians, they were, they were thrown into this thing, they just keep going. But they don't actually have a walk with God. They don't have a relationship with God that has been formed, that has been nurtured, that has been built. And that leads to frustration because walking precedes working. I hope you are taking notes this morning. Walking precedes working. It pre it's before that. I, I, I say this again. Some people, I mean, uh, since my time of you know, leading a campus fellowship and doing all of those things, I've worked with a lot, a lot of people. And people have tried to work with me without first walking with me. Which is that they try to, you know, be my assistant or be this or be that with me without first understanding me, spending some time with me to get to know me, to understand how I like to do things. Because you see, uh, when it comes to leadership, people are not all the same. We are not all the same. We, are, we have different personalities and God gave us those personalities for specific reasons. There are things that my personality type can achieve that people who are, you know, who are more, you know, friendly and excited cannot achieve. Like, I, I envy Pastor D a lot. He'll be here for Super Sunday. I always call him one of my favorite humans <laughs> because he's a people person. And I envy him a lot because of that. He's the life of, if he comes into a room, he wants to greet every single person. Uh, public service announcement, I am not like that. I'm, I'm simply not created that way. <laughs> if I try to do that, it will become obvious. Yeah, it will become obvious that you are just faking this thing. Once in a while, I get into the groove, right? But by default, I'm an introvert. I want to be inside my house, reading a book, sleeping, you know, studying my Bible so that I can preach a good message like this, you know, or playing my PlayStation, you know, I'm playing FIFA. 
that's, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be out doing anything, you know, like I don't want to do all that stuff. Uh, it, it reminds me, my mom just came back from Nigeria and she was telling me about my sister's wedding. And she said, one of the comments that people made was that the husband was, looked so happy throughout the wedding that he was genuinely excited to be married. So I said to her, I said, I'm sure people thought that I was not happy when I got married. <laughs> I, I actually don't remember smiling one time, except when I was carrying my wife, maybe, and I, I almost slipped. Then a smile broke out of my face. Why? Because the way that I am programmed is that even in my wedding, I'm telling you this, even during my wedding, I'm looking around, making sure that everything is in order. That's my personality type. <laughs> so if somebody comes down and tries to work with me, and they are, they are always coming to hug me and say, I'm like, go and do what you need to do. It's not even friendly. <laughs> it's not even a friendly person. It's the same thing with God. Many times we assume that we know so much about God that we start to plan things for him. So people try to plan certain things on my behalf instead of telling me first. They try to plan it, and then they do it, and they find out that I'm not even interested in what they planned. And it's like, ah, but we put in all this effort. You need to have first understood the person you're dealing with. It's the same thing with God. Before we try to attempt things for him and go about things, even the things that he looks like he has asked us to do, we have to first understand who he is. And the, the interesting thing is that this God that we are working with, we will never really fully understand him until we see him in glory. Never fully understand him. So never do you get to the point where you assume that, okay, now I know enough about God to preempt him. You say, okay, this is what God would, would do in this situation. So I'm going to, no, 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 no. You have to check with him every single time. Say that to yourself. I have to check with him every single time. Every single time. So don't make assumptions. Working with God is what we should all aspire to. That's the goal. That's the destination. But before we get to the level of working with God and being taken away like Enoch was, there's a couple of steps that we need to take. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Before we begin to do any work for God, there are three levels of walking. So before you approach the work of God, there are three levels of actually walking that need to be completed successfully. If you don't complete these three levels and you attempt to do anything for God, you will struggle. That's why you see people burning now. That's why you see you know, uh, ministers who have done this for, for decades will come out and say, you know what, I'm done, I'm tired of this. You know, and all of those things. It's because... The strength for the work comes from walking with God. That's where the strength comes from. So I have three points to this message. Okay? Last week I didn't preach any points. But today I'm back to my three points. I, I shoot three pointers. It's a, it's a basketball reference if you don't know. Okay? All right. So the first two are going to be very short because I just want to use that to lay a foundation. The third point is where I'm really going. So just stay with me. Now if you're taking notes, please write this down. Point number one, walk alone. That's number one step. You must learn to walk alone. Don't be like a football club that I know that never walk alone. Okay? Oh, you thought I would say it. We won the treble. My, my soccer club, Manchester City, just completed the treble of three major trophies. Yet, people like this that support us now, Chelsea people, they refuse to give me a guard of honor. I came this morning now. There was no guard of honor. It's called envy. They envy me. All right. So... In this walk, we have to, first of all, learn to be by ourselves. Back to my son. You see, we started sending him, we didn't start sending him on, on errands until he could walk by himself. Even though he was attempting some things, he would try to carry the milk jar. The milk jar will carry him. But now, he is able to walk by himself. We can actually send him on some errands. He can go and bring his shoe. 
Yesterday, I saw him bring you milk from the fridge. And I'm like, okay, we're getting there. You know, sometimes when he's alone, he knows where his water bottle is and he can get it. Even if it is, it is high on the kitchen island, he will pick up a chair, he will get on the chair and he will get his water bottle, even when he is by himself, which is very crucial because learning to walk alone means that you will never be stranded. Even when you end up by yourself, because there will be circumstances where you will end up by yourself. And I've been there. I've told you the story of during my, my youth service year in Nigeria. When you finish uh, university in Nigeria, you have to do one year of national youth service where they will put you into another part of the country just to go and learn the culture and all of those different things. And I was by myself, completely isolated. I could have lost my faith if I don't know how to walk alone. Yeah, I could have lost everything. Uh, I, I mean, I won't even go into that because my wife is sitting down here. I nearly lost it, yeah, because I've told the story here before. I was living in a house with three women in the house. It was like they had their own rooms and I had mine, but we all used to put money together to, to make food. It was my friend who came from the, the NCCF family house who came to rescue me from that house because he came one day, and as the lady came to serve me my food, she was tying a wrapper. So he looked at me and said, man of God, <laughs> man of God, you cannot live in this house. And he got up and started packing my things. Yeah, that was how I was rescued. But before then, I mean, I had kept my faith because I know I know how to walk alone. But there is also a limit to that, which is my point number two. But let me build it up a little bit, okay? So you must first learn to walk alone, so that if you ever come, if it ever comes down to you being alone, you still believe what you believe. Yeah, you can still pray, you can still read your word, you can still believe God. If the church closes down and they say there is there is there is COVID part three or whatever it is, because everybody, there are some people now that they are, they are living on the edge, they are expecting a new variant. I'm sorry to disappoint you, no variant is coming, it's over, it's over. Some people are waiting for a new variant. So whatever they say, you can get to, do you know there are believers in the world today who are living in bunkers to have church that cannot be in the open, or you don't know, you think the whole world is free. No, there are places where believers still have to hide their Bibles. Those ones, they have to learn how to be by themselves. So if the only place and time where you have strength is when you are with other believers, something is wrong with that. Being with others is good, but it must first come from you being alone, learning how to walk alone. That's the first step, all right? So at the end of the day, your faith is an individual thing because you are going to give an individual account to God. My wife, Dorcas, will stand before God and give account for our own life. I will give account for my own life, okay? He might ask us about our children to give account of the stewardship, but individually we have to give account of our own life. So you must know who you are in Christ. You must understand who Christ is in you. This is for yourself, not just what you were told, but you must be convinced of it. Not just what you hear in church, but you must be convinced of it. It must be the Lord my God. So you must learn to walk alone so that when the time comes, for example, to step into leadership, you will not feel isolated. Because let me let, me let you know, leadership can be very lonely. Oh, <laughs> this is how I have lived my life for a very long time. It can become very, very lonely. It can feel very, very lonely. You know, they say this thing that birds of a feather flock together. Have you heard it before? Not eagles. Eagles don't flock. No, birds of a feather flock together, but eagles, eagles don't flock. <laughs> eagles fly alone because they have learned, because the altitude at which an eagle is operating, there are not many birds that are capable. No. So that's the way it is with leadership. So there are some things that God is going to tell you. There are some, I mean, there are times when we have, we have had to make some moves that even my wife, that is the, the co-pastor of our church, <laughs> huh? I have to first get to the place where I am running with the vision and then I pick her along. Because, I mean, like I told you, personalities come into play. 
My wife is very analytical. She needs three months to make a decision. I need three hours. Three hours is what I need. Uh-huh. Once I'm, I'm clear that this is, I mean, it was Tim Ross who said this, that the way he, he built his ministry and he did all those things is that if he gets to a place of 51% conviction about it, he's going to do it. That he will rather miss it <laughs> that way. But once he crosses 51%, that this is it, we're going to do it. And if we, you, you try it and you, it doesn't work, then you learn that, okay, this is not the way to do it, right? But sometimes when you sit too much on, on an opportunity, every opportunity has to be taken in the lifetime of that opportunity. That's not even my message. That's another message altogether. Yeah, because every opportunity has a lifespan. And the opportunity must be taken in the lifetime of that opportunity. Let's keep going here. So we find a very practical example of this in the person of Abraham, who we call the father of our faith. And that's in Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Abraham had to leave his father's house before he could really begin to understand the issue of faith. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, or Abraham at this point, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. It doesn't matter what this looks like for you. There's going to come a time where God will ask you to come out of what you know. Yeah, I can tell you stories of our own life. I just don't have time to get into that. How God would, would tell. I mean, we moved all the way here from, from BC all the way to this place just because God said. So it's not, I mean, people till now don't believe that. Some people think that I had a big job of, I took a pay cut. <laughs> I literally took a pay cut to come from the office that I was in BC to their office here in Halifax because God said this is where you're supposed to be. There's going to come that time where God will pull you out of the ordinary because he wants to set you apart. He wants to set you on the cause of your life, of what he has destined for you. He will pull you apart from your friends. Pull you apart from the lifestyle that you know. Because he wants you to begin to walk with him. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's because there is something ahead of you that you don't even know. That is the work that he wants to give you to do. But you must first learn to walk with him. Later on, we find Abraham, even though he was, I mean, he was attached to Lot, he had always done everything with him. He got to a point where he had to separate from him in order to go further on this journey of faith. And we find that in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter number 13 and verse 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Therefore, you cannot walk with others except you've mastered walking alone. I want this to sink in your mind. This is the first step. This is the beginning. You have to learn how to walk alone. There are certain things God shows you that will require you being in isolation. Now, now separation and isolation are different things. Okay, we're not saying you, you, you might, I mean, we're getting to my second point. You are running away from community. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that you have strength in being by yourself. This even applies to you getting married. Do you know that? Oh, should I talk about that? It applies to you getting married. You are not supposed to get into marriage and become a liability. The way you're looking at me, I'm going to come down and step on your toes now. You are not supposed to be a liability in marriage. You are supposed to come with your own supply. So it's not 50% coming to join 50%. No, no. It's two people that are 100% that are coming together to make another one whole. That's the way it is. So it's not that you come and, and if, I need you to complete me. No, 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 no. You need them to complement you. Complement. You, are, you have to be complete by yourself first. You need to say amen to this. It's not a relationship, but if I get into that zone, it will just, we'll just keep going. So let me, let me focus. All right? So it begins with personal disciplines. Personal disciplines. Personal routines. Personal routines. Have you, have you ever been, you know, when you were, you were much younger and your parents would tell you, clean your room. 
all the time. Even when you were a teenager, you say, clean your, it happened to me, clean your room, clean your room. You're like, what's all this clean your room, clean your room business? I can't wait to move out of this house. I've got to get my own place. <laughs> it happened to you, I can see the way you're smiling. So I've got to get my own place. Then you actually get your own place and you move out of your parents' house. First week is fine because the person that left the house cleaned it up. After a few weeks, you start seeing your shoe here is smelling. Your shirt is here. The house is like, ah, but this house is starting to look like my room in my mother's house. What's going on? Because you moved out of the house, but your routines did not change. Your habits did not change. Your personal routine did. Everything is the same. So you will meet it there. That's what we say where we come from. You will meet it there. You will meet it there. <laughs> so everything you, you are trying to avoid, you are trying to run away from, you will meet it there because God just wants to teach you. And if you keep avoiding the test, it will keep showing up in the future. Every test you run away from will keep showing up. That's why last week's message was so critical. That you will, you will keep meeting it. So you need to stay with it and pass that test so that you can move to the next one. Glory to God. Let's look at Jesus as we tie up this first point and look at the routines and the customs that he practiced. I want to show you a sequence of scriptures, just one right after the other, to establish a pattern and to see that Jesus, who was our perfect example, actually had this discipline. Luke chapter number 4 and verse 16. Look at what he says. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. So Jesus went to church as usual. They could say that on Sunday, this is where you are going to find him. It was as usual. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed in the morning, early before daylight. He went out to a quiet place and there he prayed. Mark chapter 6 verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. So it didn't mean that he wasn't doing his normal daily activities, but there would come a point where he would literally send everybody away so that he could go up to the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 39. Then accompanied by the disciples... Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. What can people say about you as usual? What can they say about you? That this is what he would do. As usual, this is what, like, for example, at work, they know where I like to sit and the kind of chair that I like. So, some people, because I come really early, true story, some people sit in those seats because they want me to relieve them. So, because they know I'm going to show up before everybody else. So, they will go and sit there because they know that's where Sean likes to sit. So, they will sit there so that I can show up first. And, and don't worry, only people in my office will understand what I'm saying. So, this is what it means to walk alone. It is walking alone with God. That's what we're talking about. So, you, that's the first thing. You have to learn how to walk alone with God. Point number two. When we have mastered this first step of walking alone with God, you now move on to walking with others. That's point number two. Walking with others. So you know how to walk alone, but you choose not to do life alone. Even though you have learned how to walk alone, you now choose not to do life alone. Because we are made for connection, we are not made for isolation. Acts chapter number 4 and verse 23. Acts chapter 4 verse number 23. Here's what it says. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So the, the early apostles and disciples did not do life alone. 
They are their own companions. That's what church is for. That's why you have to belong to a community. We are made for community. We are made for connection. Working with others actually serves you best after you have learned to walk alone. That's the point I was trying to make in the first point. That when you, when, when you, you have a, a, a body and a collective of individuals who have learned to walk alone, when they come into the collective, there is more grace. It's a supply of everybody bringing their own supply into the room. Like the, the best example, again, that I can think of for this is when I was, I was in my youth service here, we, we had something called um, National Christian Corpus Fellowship, NCCF. I mean, they still do that, but I mean, that one, when I went back to the family house and we started doing that, you could see, you could see believers, mature believers. When we come together to pray, it is, I mean, imagine somebody like me that had done uh, fellowship president for four years, come there. Other people who had led different things. You get, come in there. Everybody bringing their own. I remember one, but I've told you this before, one Wednesday night. We were having one prayer meeting that wanted to do a crusade. And we were praying. You know what we normally do is that we will gather around, we will pray, and everybody has to say what God told them. It's not this hiding prayer. Like, you can't be hiding. There's no hiding there. So when we finish praying, you have to tell us what God told you. You can't just say, oh, I prayed, I'm led. No, you're not led. What did God tell you? <laughs> That's how we used to operate. So we, we did that, and we were praying one night for this crusade, and this, this brother kept saying, it will yet more rain. It will yet more rain. Now, that's what God told him. So we said, yeah, it's the rain of the Spirit. Latter rain. Oh, it's yet more rain, yet more rain. So we started doing the crusade. The rain that fell that day. The rain, I, I have never forgotten it. It rained so much, it damaged all the microphone, all the speaker. We had to carry everything inside. We still did the crusade, but I never forgot that instruction. It will yet more it will yet more rain. <laughs> Glory to God. So community is a support. It's not a substitute. Community is a support. Even though every one of us did not believe what he was saying, it was because he had learned to walk with God by himself that he could insist that when other people were saying it's the latter rain, he knew what he was talking about because he had first learned to walk alone before coming into that community of believers. So walking with others serves you best after you have learned to walk alone. You will be coming with a supply. You will be coming with something to offer. You will not be coming to depend on the community. There is a stage for that. There is a level for that. When you're still learning to walk alone, like my son, you have to depend on your dad and your mom. You have to put your hands around them to, to keep your balance. But after you have, you have left that stage, you have to now learn to be by yourself. Glory to God. So you will not be stranded if community is disrupted. This is very important. But you cannot do life alone. Say that with me. I cannot do life alone. Finally, point number three. So we've gone from walking alone, walking with others. Now we'll talk about walking with God. This is the final stage where you have learned to walk by yourself. You have learned to walk with others. Now we will, you will get to walking with God because walking with God is our ultimate aspiration. Or at least it should be our ultimate aspiration. Genesis chapter 17. Let's look into the scripture again from verse number 1 to verse 4. Genesis 17 verse 1 to 4. Here is what it says. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So you see, before the promise came, the instruction was to walk before him. That is the beginning. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many Nations. So God wants us before our face so that he can reveal his plans for us to us. That's the beginning point. He wants us to come before our face with him so that he can now begin to tell us what his plans are. As we begin to see more people stepping up and doing things, you must understand that God is first interested in our hearts 
before he's interested in our money and our hands. So, because, I mean, you can, you can say, what does it matter? Some people know how to preach. I know how to make money. I will just give them money. <laughs> your, your, your money without a work with God is a donation. What makes your money a seed is your work with God. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, that's what makes it a seed. That's what makes it something that can count for eternity. There are, there are philanthropists that give to churches because they know that it will help their taxes. They know that, that they will escape a lot of taxes if they just give, if they give to church. So they do that. From time to time, you will see that. They say, but when it comes to, you know, believing in Jesus, or they have no clue what that, they don't want. They're not even interested in that. They say, okay, you have a church, okay, take, I can give you, because they know that. And immediately they give you, they ask you, where's the donation receipt? Because that is the goal of the giving. But we're saying that what makes your money even count in the eyes of God is you having a relationship with him. Because what God does with us is that he provides himself an offering through us, through us. So this is, this is very crucial. So we don't put the, the cart before the horse. Don't ever get to believing you know God enough. I cannot stress this enough. Because you see, it's possible to work for God and believing in sin. But it's not possible to work with God and believing in sin. Can I preach this? Look, you can, you can be working for God, like doing what I'm doing. Be preaching, you know, as if your life depends on it. And, and you, you see a lot of things online these days. You can see that. And then you just say, okay, let me learn more about this person. And you just Google them and you are reading. So, and you start seeing something like, oh, what is going on here? It's like the woman by the well. That the husband you are living with now is not even your husband. And this fellow is on the pulpit. And you're like, hey, what's going on here? Because like I used to say on campus, you know, when they come and tell me that, oh, oh, this lady, she's doing this that you should talk to her, tell her that what she's doing is wrong. I say, I'm not the Holy Ghost. I'm not what? The Holy Ghost. If this person actually has a relationship with God, every morning when you kneel down to pray, something will move inside you. <laughs> it's not the pastor that needs to come and tell you that you should not be watching pornography. If you, are, you have the Holy Ghost, as you put on the thing, something will, it will move. You can ignore it. You can say, Mwah. no. But something will move. If it doesn't move, you are not saved. That's how you know <laughs> that you are saved. Yeah, that something moves. But you can ignore it. You can choose to ignore it. That you are in your office, there's an opportunity to, to maneuver the numbers, you know, just to make it more, you know, and make some extra cash. That, that something will move on the inside of you, right? So this is where relationship with God is so crucial that you are not, you are not just coming to church. And I, I can see, like, don't hear this message and hear me saying, you know, uh, maybe something is wrong with somebody. I'm seeing a lot of people stepping up to do things for God. That is exciting. That is exciting. Like, I have, I mean, I mean, I don't know whether she will permit me to say this. I mean, AGM is coming, so I can say it. I can say it, right? Okay. I, I want to talk about money. So, because she's my, she will, she, will, she will tell me. It's been a long time you scolded me for preaching anything wrong. I've been, I've been doing very well. So what I just wanted to say is that, do you know that as a church, as a, I was telling you this even last week, as a church, where we are today in terms of finances, right? Last year, what, we, what the total income of the church was, we have already surpassed it at July of this year. I think that's what giving God praise for. Yeah. It, it, means that, it means that people are doing what? Stepping up. That's what it means. But I don't want it to be that we are just stepping up in finances, we are stepping up in showing up to church, we are stepping up in doing things, but in our work with God, we have to also be stepping up. So as we are stepping up in giving, as we are stepping up in working for God, it means that your prayer life too has to be stepping up. The time that you spend in prayer has to be increasing. If you were reading a chapter every day, it has to be two now. 
you must be stepping up equally in all of these areas. So that it's not just that, oh, the church is growing, but what about the lives of the people? That's what I am more interested in. Believe me, that money, look, I've told you, I, I earn, my wife and I, we end well. We are not poor by all standards, to the glory of God. We are not poor. If the church did not exist, we'll be living fine. <laughs> I know the kind of house that I'll be living in. <laughs> we'll be living fine. <laughs> yeah, but we, we chose this life because God said, go and do this. And what God will judge us on is not, did you, were you able to build an auditorium in five years? No, no. What I'm going to give account for is the lives of the people. It's you and you and you. Like, how did you go? When you came in, what level were you at? Did you grow being here? And how many people did you bring into the kingdom? That's the goal of this assignment. So please, guys, I want this to be very clear. That the beginning of our project with God is the walking with him. That is more important. Look, look, let me even say it like this. If you end up having a personal walk with God that is... That is the best that you could do. I'm not saying you are perfect without fault or whatever. That's Jesus. But you gave it everything that you could. And you never even did anything in the church. You were just sitting down. Do you know that God is more pleased with you than you walking in the church? Am I saying something wrong? I don't like it when your faces start to change. Are you, are you okay? All right. So I'm telling you that God is more pleased with you. That you are you you then you sit down and we we, we, we we talked about this. We looked at it and said, this is good, but you know, there are some people that just want to come to church and sit down. That's why I me, mean, I don't judge anybody. If you all you want to do is come to the church, sit down and listen to the message and go. Perfect. Because even me that you're looking at, when I, I joined Covenant Christian Center, for three years, all I used to do was I would go to church in the morning. We used to have five services. Five services. And my pastor would preach all five services. So when we're talking about having two services, it's a joke. I've seen a man preach, how many services? Five on a Sunday morning. So we have three centers. It will go, first service in, in Yaba, he will preach there. When he's preaching there, that's when I had that chameleon car that I told you about. So I will go to Yaba early in the morning. He will preach. Once he's done preaching, I will take my offering. As he's going out, I know where he's going. So as he's going out, I will just carry my offering, go to the back, drop my offering, enter my car. I'll follow him to, to the island, Lagoon Restaurant, is where he's going to preach next. So he will go there. As he's getting there, they're just finishing their praise and worship. He will preach the message all over again. Second time, I will sit down in the service and listen to the message again. The same message. He will preach two services. When he's done, he will go to Igomu, the third place. I will enter my car, enter the car, go follow him. Go sit down, listen to the message all over again. Then we'll end up in Yaba. <laughs> like he will do all the five services and I will listen to every single one of those messages. All over, all over again. I did that for years without joining any departments without doing anything, because it just had to get to a point where I was not just listening to a message, it had become who I was. It had become everything that he was teaching had entered into me, become a part of me. It was not that oh, I'm just hearing a nice message every week. No, no, no. It was the way I was living my life, principle after principle, principle after principle. Not that, you know, I was going to church, and I was walking with God through that process. When I got to the point that I looked at it and said, okay, it looks like I'm going to be obese now if I don't do anything, <laughs> you know. Because you can just sit down and just be hearing the word. And I will be preaching to myself if I got to the point where I could preach his messages. I will be preaching to myself in the mirror. And I'll be doing my hand like this. I say, ah, I'm now becoming like Pastor Pojo. be doing my hand like this in the mirror and don't be preaching. So that's when I decided I'm going to join the media team. So that I don't become, you know, just, you are just hearing the message. Because that too is very dangerous. But the beginning is that the seed of the word has to be seated in your heart. It has to be planted in your heart. Germinate. Bear fruit. Then you can, when you now show up to start doing the work, when somebody talks to you anyhow, you are sitting down in the media place and you're trying to do something and 
I'm, you know my pastor is very, very, like sometimes it can be very harsh. If, if he's preaching, like me, I'm very nice. So. If he's preaching and he, he, he puts a scripture and says, give me Genesis chapter 17, and you give him chapter 18, he'll say, who is there? Who is in that place? You know that can make you go away from the church? Oh, I, am I saying, it can make you leave the church. Because you will say, that if you are not yet grounded, you say, ah, I'm even here volunteering my hours, volunteering of my life to this church, and this pastor is telling me, who is there? Sometimes you will say, is the person there sleeping? Please go and change that person <laughs> from the altar. <laughs> even me as I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, pastor, please now, don't say that. <laughs> it's too harsh. Because he's trying to get everybody to a certain level. Trying to get everybody to walk together, to be in sync. And I do, do this with these guys sometimes, and I'm telling them, I mean, like Samson, I came yesterday, uh, last Sunday, after, from India, he just arrived. He went straight to the camera. I still scolded him. I said, stop zooming. Yeah, just zoom me up. Why are you zooming like this? Zooming like this. <laughs> it's not because I don't love him. It's just because I want you guys to be at a level. But if you, if you are not the person that is grounded first by yourself, you will take offense. Every little thing you will take offense. Say, I'm leaving that church. They don't, they don't have love. Everything the pastor will be saying, well, you are not singing well. They don't have love. I mean, like the major and Betty, they should have gone since. If they want to look at me <laughs> and the way, <laughs> and all my, all my, you know, is, I mean, I have scripture for it. You said, walk before me and be thou perfect. Yeah, I have scripture for it. You can call me whatever you like, but I have scripture. All right, so we learn to walk, and then we can run this race that is set before us. That's the beginning point. We have to learn to walk. Genesis, uh, Hebrews chapter number 12. Let's begin to tie it up now. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So walking with God is running this race that we're talking about. Finally, what do you need to walk with God? Let me just give you two things here that you need when it comes to this process of walking with God. Number one is the Holy Spirit. The reason why God gave us the Holy Spirit is that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot walk with God effectively. Now, can you be a Christian without the Holy Spirit? Yes. Will you go to heaven without the Holy Spirit? Yes, if you believe in Jesus Christ. But you need the Holy Spirit to have an effective walk with God on the earth. Genesis chapter 16. Sorry, John chapter 16. We've read Genesis so much. John chapter number 16. From verse 13 to 15. Look at what it says. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will speak not on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Why is Jesus explaining it like this? Because this, the Holy Spirit is the one that breaks down the mysteries of God to us and makes it plain. Without the Holy Spirit, God will be very confusing. Have you heard unbelievers talk about the Bible and talk about God? It's, it's all confusing. Because there is, the Holy Spirit is not involved. It is the Holy Spirit that makes the Bible clear. It is the Holy Spirit that explains God to us, if I can put it that way. It's the Holy Spirit that makes God clear to us. Not that we will ever get to a full knowledge of God, but he will explain it to us at our level, stage after stage, stage after stage. First Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So it is the Spirit of God that knows the things of God. Therefore, it is the Spirit of God that reveals God to us. That's why when you start to study your Bible, it has to be with the help of the Holy Spirit. 
which is the, the number two thing that you need, is the, you need to study your Bible. But you must study your Bible with the help of the Holy Spirit. You are not approaching your Bible just to acquire knowledge, just to be able to say, I can quote the scriptures, right? You are approaching it from a place of, I want to experience God. Because I know that this is the word of God that will show me God, that will reveal God to me. But the Holy Spirit is the one that explains God to us. So you can know about him through his word. But you need a relationship with the Spirit of God to really know him and be known by him. Therefore, we don't search the scriptures just to know more scriptures. We don't learn to memorize scriptures just to show off that we can do it. Look, memorizing scripture is good. It's very good. Please don't hear me say that you should not memorize scripture, okay? But I'm telling you that the power of the scripture is in the word itself. The chapter and verses were put there for reference. When Jesus was alive, there was no chapter and verses. All he said to Satan was, it is written. Yeah, it is written. So when you, when you carry this, this book and you say, I don't, want, I don't want to have anxiety, so I'll put this, this book under my pillow. And I will sleep on it so that I will not have bad dreams. Uh, the devil is coming for you. Look, it will be under your pillow and it will be attacking you like this. Because the power is not in the book. It's not. This is not, this is not it. This thing is just to, to, to bring out the words to us. It is those words. It says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If not, it would have said, the letter that I gave to you is spirit and life. It's not the binding of the Bible that gives the power. It is the words that are the most important thing. And that only comes alive when the Holy Spirit interacts with it. Say amen to this. Amen. John chapter number 5. Let me show you what I'm saying here. John chapter 5, verse 38 to 40. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. He was talking to the Pharisees now, Jesus. He said you search the scriptures, which is a good thing. But the reason why you are searching the scripture is that in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Do you see that? So they were searching the scripture, which is a good thing, but they thought that it is just in the scripture that they will have eternal life. But Jesus is saying, you refuse to come to me, who is the, the personification of life. So we, we must be very careful that we are not just you know, studying scriptures so that we can, we, we can show that we know scriptures. When you approach the word of God, you are approaching God. Think of it that way. That I want to know more of God. That's the reason why I'm diligent. Like I said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to the pastor. So that they can give you a title. Are we reading the same Bible? He said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. To God. Very, very important. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And this thing takes diligence. Seeking the word of God takes time. It is not something you can do, you know, multi-tax with. Like, you, can, you know, you have to devote time to it. You have to make time for it. Because everything that is important to us, we make time for. And it has to be the same with the word of God. The word of God is the difference maker. It's the difference maker. Um, uh, James chapter 1 verse 25. It's going beyond the surface. You have to be intentional. You have to be deliberate. James chapter 1 25. Look at what it says. But he who will, will looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So you see the process now. You are looking into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, before you now start doing the work, before you become a doer of the work. Glory be to God. So we find his ways inside of the world. Like he said to Moses, uh, like he said about Moses in Psalm 103 verse 7, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts 
to the children of Israel. This is where we find revelation about God. This is where we begin to understand God. And we must make friends with the word of God in order to understand God's ways, to be able to walk with him. Because you can experience miracles without actually understanding the ways of God. You, can, you will experience it, but if God wants to walk things through your life, you must understand his ways. You must know what, what like, like um, I mean, even little things like preaching and, um, and, you know, doing something like this. I know exactly what I'm not supposed to do before I come and preach. You know, they are just basic things. Like, it's not, you know, you can't, I can't be coming to you here now to come and preach now. And I'm eating pounded yam in the morning before I come. So as I'm coming, I'm, uh, uh, uh. you know, like you're coming with an attitude, with an awe. A reverence for what you are doing. You know, and people look at it and say, oh, you know, that's too much. You know, wear whatever you like. Just do anyhow. <laughs> if you understand the ways <laughs> of God, <laughs> if you know his ways, yeah, you will go over and above. Even, even though you know you are under grace, you will, you will still maintain that level of awe and respect and diligence for what you are doing. So God will have, rather have you walk with him as we, as we wrap everything up now. Let's just land this plane. Stay in the word long enough before attempting to walk for him. This is my charge to you as we go this week. Anything that is, is bubbling in your heart that you want to do for God. Now we're all in teams. We know what we're going to do when we move to Bedford Highway. All I'm charging you is make sure that your walk with God is solid, is grounded, so that offense doesn't hurt you. You know, so that like the soccer players that, you know, when they are not on form and they start playing, they can get injured for the whole of their careers because they were not in, in good shape and they played. So I don't want us to play people that are, that are not in form. Your spiritual life is my number one priority. That is my, my own number one goal. All right, let me, let me close with Psalm 42 and verse 1 to 3. Let's, let's, let's end it with this one. It says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, where is your God. I'm sure we all know that water represents the word. But if you look at that scripture, it's actually saying, my soul pants for you, O Lord. My soul pants for you, O Lord. Shall I, when shall I appear before you? So it's not just that I'm running after the water, you know, just so that, you know, they can say I, I like the water. <laughs> no. He's, he's running after God. He's panting after the living God. And there are two reasons why the deer runs after water. Number one is that the, the water, the deer is testy. Water is the source of life. So the, but the number two reason is that the water actually preserves the scent of the deer so that it will not be visible to his enemies. Ah, if you understand that, that's deep. So it goes to the water and, and it goes into the water so that it will not smell. You get it. As long as you get it. So that any enemy that is coming cannot smell the deer. Yeah. So it hides the scent. And that's what God wants us to do with the word. Because he said, he that dwells in the sacred place of the Most High would abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what he's talking about. So, so when you approach the word of God, approach it that way. That the word of God is so that when something happens in your life, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is not, yay, or I'm finished, or whatever. It's the word. <laughs> it's the word because out of the abundance of the heart is what the mouth will speak. All right, glory to God. So you are only safe in a relationship with God. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. As we tie it up this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you are listening to me this morning, if you are in the room or you are watching online, you have never made Jesus your Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.